Happy 4th of July. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. So glad to be with you here today. Excited for our new series, Summer Games. Bible lessons for life uh, from the games that we play. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to learn a lot from God's holy word. And just a fun way to start out today, I'm going to just give you a chance to play in just a short game with me. I'm going to show you a real-life warning label from a product, several products actually, and see if you can guess what these are, okay? I want to try that just for some fun. Wake us up today. Let's see what's going on. So the first uh, warning label, real warning label, is do not iron clothes on body. What kind of product is that? This is an easy one. An iron, right? Yes, this is an actual warning label on an iron. I actually knew somebody in college who did this. He was getting dressed for like a formal kind of thing, and he, he put the iron to his shirt and burned himself senseless. Uh, and sad to say, alcohol was involved, and that was really stupid. So uh, that's the first and last time that he did that. Okay, let's do another warning label. This product may contain eggs. Yes, a dozen eggs actually contain eggs. So sadly, someone got sick from eating eggs, not knowing that it was eggs. So this product may contain eggs. All right, this one, hopefully you can get this. This is fun. This costume does not enable flight or super strength. Superman, that's right. That is humorous, but you know, my heart breaks thinking that some little kid thinks if I just get the costume... I can fly or throw cars, or maybe it's grown-up pastors who think that. I don't know, but anyway, uh, we got another one coming up. May cause drowsiness. Sleeping pill, night all. Somebody say night all. Somebody said that in-house. That's good. I hope y'all are online doing the chat. See if you can get this last one. Be the first one to get this last one, okay? So we've got do not use while sleeping. A car? That's a good one, yeah. What else? Any guesses? Cars? Machinery, yes, we don't want to use machinery. Okay, it's actually a hairdryer. <laughs> that is a real label from a Vidal Sassoon hairdryer, do not use while sleeping. I guess somebody had taken a shower, didn't want to go to bed with their hair wet, laid down on one pillow, put the hairdryer on the other pillow, just cranked it on. I don't know, but anyway, so... Warning labels that are real because somebody really did something they weren't supposed to do, right? And so the company doesn't want to get sued, doesn't want anybody to get hurt. Real warning labels. Well, I want to show you a different set of warning labels. My son Luke just finished up travel basketball. And before travel basketball season begins, there's a mountain of paperwork that parents have to sign. Like, we're not going to sue you if he gets hurt. Yes, he has my permission to play. And then there's like a parent covenant, because you might not believe this, but parents who watch their children play sports usually get a little bit too excited about that. So these are some of the rules or warning labels for parents whose children are playing sports. So let's look at this one. This is basketball, but it, it, it goes beyond basketball. Although highly competitive and rewarding, please remember that basketball is a game. Yeah, highly rewarding and competitive. Remember that basketball is a game. It's for fun. Right? It's not to create the next LeBron James, right? It's a fun game. Let kids enjoy just playing the game. By the way, I failed that at least more than once this season. Uh, do not shout instructions or coach your son or daughter during the game. This is distracting to your son or daughter and his or her teammates. It may also differ from instructions given by the coach. 
you're not the coach, you're the parent. Don't scream at your child during the game and make a jerk out of yourself. I also failed this one many times this season as well. Okay, and this last one, I think is powerful. Do not give advice and lectures immediately after the game during the drive home. It can be very frustrating and discouraging for your player. Focus on the positive attributes of play. Let's leave that up for just a second. Don't give advice immediately after the game on the drive home. You could have done this. You should have done that. You could have done this. You should have done that, right? Negative. It can be very frustrating and discouraging. Focus on the positive attributes of play. Sadly, I also failed this one miserably several times. Luke, I'm sorry Luke's in the room. Um, I think this is a powerful statement, not just for basketball, not just for sports, but for life. Because whoever wrote this policy understands that the words that we speak from our mouth can do one of two things. They can build somebody up or they can tear somebody down. The very same mouth Words that come out, we can use it to build someone up or we can use it to tear someone down, right? And, and the organizers of this basketball league want parents to be the positive force, to use the encouraging words, right? Let the coaches do the other part of that, right? Good cop, bad cop. Use your words to encourage other people, right? So these are real-life warning labels. And I think on a bigger s- scale, it's saying that our mouths should come with warning labels. If there was a warning label for the way that you speak, what would that label be? If there was a warning label for your mouth, what would that be? How many words that come out of your mouth, how many are them encouraging and building people up, and how many of the words that come out of your mouth are disparaging and bring people down? If your mouth had a warning label, what would that warning label be? How encouraging are you and and how disparaging are you in the choice of words that you use? And I think we all have both in our lives, don't we? Well, today, our first game of the series is Jenga. Uh, maybe you've heard of that. It's about, you know, about this tall little block tower, and, and the goal is uh, not to knock it down. And so the first player kind of like pokes a little uh, wooden block off, and then you put it on top. Then the next player pokes a block off the bottom, puts it on top. And the goal is to build a high tower, but the goal also is not to let your tower get knocked over, right? Because if your tower gets knocked over, then you lose, and the winner just, it's a satisfying sound for them to hear the blocks get knocked over, right? And so that's the goal. Uh, and we've got a big giant Jenga here. My son Nathan built this today for us, and it's not exactly designed like that because the goal was to show if you work together, you can build a really cool tower, and you can make it taller and fun, and it can be an awesome thing. And so, in our lives, do we work together to build one another up, or do we sabotage each other and try to knock each other down? Uh, and that's what we're, we're working with today as we think about our everyday lives, especially with our words and how we speak to one another. Do we build one another up, or do we knock each other down? And so we're going to go to the Bible. It's got some really good advice today. And we're mainly going to be in the New Testament in the book of James, which was uh, attributed to Jesus' earthly brother, James. He was a very important leader in the early church when the church first started out. And so James has some advice for us about building each other up and how we use our mouths to speak. And we're going to dive right in and see what James teaches us about how we speak to one another. So let's think about this together. James chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, right? 
Horse is a big animal, right? A bit, a piece of metal like this, stick it in their mouth, you know, put a, put a rein on that, and you can make that horse go wherever you want the horse to go, right? Big animal, small little thing controls the big animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go, right? Big ships, still, you know, steered by a small rudder. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, right? It's not a femur, it's not, you know, a leg or an arm or a head. It's a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, right? Big forest, one match, small spark, Smokey the bear is angry with us and the forest is gone. The tongue also is a fire, right? Our tongues can be fires. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell, right? If we allow our tongues to be influenced by evil forces in the world or even the evil in our hearts, we can do great damage with this one of the smallest parts of our body, the tongue. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by humankind. Chris, who gave the announcements today, he and his wife Nikki took their, their young daughter to the, the zoo in Ashboro yesterday and walked all around it, right? And we see that animals can be tamed. But no human being can tame the tongue, right? We, we can't control our tongues without some help, without some help from God, right? Because we just get in trouble with our mouths all the time. And so we need some help to control those tongues. It's a restless evil, right, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father like we're doing today, right? We're worshiping God. We're doing good things with our mouths and our tongues. And with it, we curse human beings, who've been made in God's likeness. And that could be true of us today. We're worshiping God, we're excited, right? We get in the car, somebody cuts us off, we're cussing them out, right? We get home, we're mad at somebody in our house, we're mad at somebody in the neighborhood, right? The fireworks at 3.30 in the morning, we got a few choice words for them, right? With the same mouth and the same tongue, we can, we can praise God and also tear somebody else up, right? Curse them, right? How is that possible? Same mouth, Right? Talking out of two sides of our mouth, some of it is, is blessing, some of it's curse. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be, right? We, we shouldn't have that happening, right? We should go one way or the other, right? Out of, uh, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? If you see a natural spring, right, in nature, is there salt water in that or, or fresh water in that? Both? No, it's one or the other. It's either salty or it's fresh water. It, it doesn't do both, right? Our brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No, it's a fig tree, right? Or a grapevine bear figs? No, it's a grapevine. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water, okay? So James gives us some really important lessons that I don't want us to miss here, right? One, the tongue can control us if we're not careful, right? The tongue can get us into a lot of trouble, right? An uncontrolled tongue can cause great harm, if we're not in control of our tongue, if we're allowing evil to influence us, then we can really do some damage in life to the people who are around us, right? We use the tongue to say things that are mutually incompatible, right? We bless with our tongue, we curse with our tongue, right? Two entirely opposite things coming from the same mouth, from the same tongue should not be happening, James says. When the tongue is influenced by the forces of hell, the forces of, of evil, the result is severe double-mindedness. 
How do we praise God one minute? How do we curse somebody the next, right? Some evil has crept into our lives, crept into our hearts, crept into our, our souls. And we need, to, we need to be aware of that and get some help for that, right? It helps us do double-mindedness. And finally, abusive speech is irrational. We weren't created to abuse each other with our speech. We're created to lift each other up. Because remember, we talked about recently, right? Created in the image of God. We talked about that last week. So it's irrational to throw out abusive speech. Now, that doesn't mean that we, don't, we can't say a hard truth to someone, right? Sometimes we have to tell somebody something they don't want to hear, but we can do that in a kind way. So I think James has a lot of powerful things for us to think about when it comes to the tongue. Now, let's shift over to James's brother, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and see one thing that he says about the tongue in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 15, 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Jesus is talking about the various food laws that were in the Old Testament. People were asking him about that. And he says, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Don't worry so much about what you're eating Right? Worry about what comes out of your mouth, right? Because it's coming from out of you, from out of your heart, right? So Jesus says what, what, what's in us comes out. We need to focus on that. What, is there goodness in us? Is there evil in us? What's coming out of us, right? Are we building people up with our words? Or are we knocking people down with our words? Or is it a combination of those? So let's think about some examples in your life. I'm guessing I could ask any of you to come up here and talk about people in your lives who one minute are, are building you up and then the next minute, boom, they're knocking you down. And you're like, what happened, right? Who, who is this? Which, which switch is being flipped here? And we know how we can feel you know, empowered and feel really good about ourselves and we know how people can just, they can make us hurt. I was talking to somebody after the first service and they said, this relative in my life, they know exactly how to push my buttons and just knock me down every time. And it's just it's so hard when they do that, for me not to lose it, right? That, that's real life. That's struggle that we're talking about here with James. I was talking to some friends this week, and I've been friends with them for a long time, and uh, one of them has physical challenges, physical health challenges, uh, that it, it doesn't allow her to work very much. And so she has to wrestle with this, and it's just been a struggle. And for most of her life, she has a lot of people around her who try to encourage her to do what she can. And had a very close you know, relative in the family who for years has supported her, saying, I'm sorry you're having to battle this. You're doing it admirably. I know you'd like to work more and, and do more of that stuff, but you know, you're doing well. Right? Encouraging, picking up. Until just this past week, that same relative who's been building this person up for, for quite a long time said to, to, to her, said, you know what? I don't believe that you're sick. I think you're faking it. I think you made it up. I think you're lazy. I think you need to go to work. Where did that come from? Did they change their mind? Have they been lying this whole time? Right? Don't know. But it was crushing, crushing. And this relationship is struggling right now. And I'm praying, and I ask you to pray that there would be reconciliation, that, that some way, somehow, the truth could come out, but they could, they could come to terms and love each other. But just, you know, all these years positive, then boom, it just takes one comment, and that relationship gets shattered. Right? It, it, the words that come from our mouth are very powerful. And again, it doesn't mean we have to hide truth, but we, when we deliver truth, we can do that in a kind and a loving way. Another way that I think about it is, is uh, here in America, right? It's July 4th. We're super excited. Celebrate freedom. I love that new song. That's one. It's an original by Cole and his band. And it's just awesome. We love you guys debuting that today. And I can't wait to sing that more. And 
Right? We celebrate the freedom in America that we have to come and worship and, and, and follow God as we feel led to do. And not a lot of people around the world can do that. And so we're grateful for that. And so, you know, I hope you go shoot some fireworks off in a safe way and, you know, go cook out and have fun, get in the pool and just, you know, celebrate America. And what I like about the 4th of July is a lot of times you see people on television, you know, key politicians and leaders in our nation talking about the importance of the American dream, right? Freedom, openness, Right, wanting to learn from our past and make better decisions in the future that, you know, America's a great place. We have our challenges, but America's a great place to be. And we talk about that and the freedom that we have, especially the freedom that we have and how we are to be united. And I think we celebrate that. Right? But I guarantee that somebody's going to take the microphone on the 4th of July and say, America's a great idea. It's a great place if not for the other political party, right? Whoever you're talking to, it's gonna be a Democrat bashing the Republicans, the Republicans are gonna be dashing the Democrats, right? They'll just take every opportunity rather than to build up America and say, What's, what do we have in common? Let's take one day and celebrate. Let's, let's encourage one another that we'll take a shot at each other and try to knock each other down. And that makes me sad because in America, there's a lot of division. We know about that. We've been talking about it for the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic. It just brought everything to a head. And it seems like half the country believes this about this issue and half the country believes this about that issue. And we're not kind to each other. Right? We're ramming it down each other's throats. We're, we're mean to each other. We're mean-spirited. We can't even get in the same room and have a, you know, a logical, helpful conversation. And we're just, we're, instead of encouraging each other, we're knocking each other down. And so instead of being United States of America, we're, we're really kind of like divided, right? Left, right, you know, Democrat, Republican, whatever you want to use. I don't like a lot of labels, but, but you guys know what the division is. You live it in your lives. You, you have it in your families. You have it in your friendships. You have it at work, right? We see it everywhere. And so instead of using our words to pick each other up, build each other down, well, we knock each other down, right? Y'all knew I was going to do that. You just can't set it up there, right? Nathan's like, you knocked the first one down? Do I get to knock this one down, right? He's, he's a good sport about that, right? But that's what happens, right? You build up this beautiful tower, or we can just kick each other and, and knock each other down, right? So we've heard from James, the brother of Jesus. We heard from Jesus himself. This is what Paul, who wrote most New Testament, says. Look at this in First Thessalonians. He's writing to a church. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. So Paul believes that the church is doing good, right? Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I just want you to think about what does it look like in America to encourage one another and build each other up? What does it look like for you to encourage your family? What does it look like for you to encourage your friends? What does it look like to encourage the people that you work with? What does it look like if you're a Democrat to encourage a Republican? If you're a Republican to encourage a Democrat, right? What does it look like in your everyday life to encourage one another and to build each other up. Because when we talk about our faith, it should be lived out in our lives. It should make a difference in our lives. And, and so what does it look like as followers of Jesus to be in this room and think differently or to be online and watching from where you are to think differently? Right? How do we encourage each other? How do we build each other up? How do we not knock each other down? How do we speak a hard truth to someone in a kind way to where we can have a conversation? I think it's, important for us to figure this out if we're going to move forward together as a nation, if we're going to move forward as organizations, as families, as friends, right? It, it, how do we, how do you do that in your life to encourage one another and to build each other up? So what? What's the point? 
What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today? This is what I think James and Jesus and Paul are saying to us today. What comes out of your mouth comes out of your heart. What comes out of your mouth comes out of your heart. You can, you can praise God. That, that's something in your heart that's coming out. You can cuss somebody out. That's also in your heart, right? We, we talked about like the tug of war in our heart last week. We're creating God's image, which is good. We also have sin in us, right? Doing the wrong thing. And it's like a tug of war, right? What comes out of your mouth comes out of your heart. So if good things are coming out of your mouth, then good things are coming from your heart. But what if bad things or evil things are coming out of your mouth, then that means there's something broken in your heart. What do you do then? This is an action step I'd like for you to consider taking this week. Ask God for a change of heart. Ask God for a change of heart. If you got more negative than positive, ask God for a change of heart. If you got some zingers and evil stuff coming out, ask God for a change of heart. We've been talking about that, right? Repentance, to have a change of mind, to have a change of heart, to have a change of behavior, Right, if there was a warning label for your heart, what would that warning label be? Ask God for a change of heart. And I want to ask you to do one practical thing this week, and you're going to need God's help to do this, right? Ask God for a change of heart. This is what I want you to do, another action step. Encourage one person whom you disagree with this week. Think about somebody, one person that you just you're, you disagree with. Might be in your family, might be in your neighborhood, might be at work might be somebody who's different politically than you, right? Someone in your life that you just, you just don't get along with, you disagree with them. I'm not saying that you have to believe or accept their position, but how can you encourage them? Encourage one person this week whom you disagree with, right? and that's going to take prayer. It might take creativity, right? but I trust you. I believe in you. I think it's good. I, I think that you're the hope of the world because Jesus is in you. We talked about how our nation's divided, our nation's split about all these things. You know one place where I see that that's not happening? I see it in churches. I see it here at South Park Church. It's, it's a really cool thing to listen to this. So in our church, we don't all think alike. We're not all Republicans. We're not all Democrats. We're not all independents, right? We have a wide differing viewpoint, viewpoints about politics, about social issues. You name it, people in our church think differently about that. And sometimes we'll argue with each other, right? Sometimes we'll disagree. But what's special here at the church and other churches that I've seen is that we don't let that stand in the way of our relationships. That we love each other. That we're in small groups together. That we worship together. We serve food for the hungry side by side, right? We're leaning left, we're leaning right. We're Democrats, Republicans, we're independents. We're all over the board, but we can put a pause on that and come together because why? Our first allegiance is to Jesus. Our first allegiance is to Jesus. And so when our first allegiance is to Jesus, all that other stuff has to take second place, right? And so I can love someone who thinks differently than me. When they're sick, I can go visit them in the hospital. When, they're, when something's going wrong in their life, I can take a meal to their house. When their kids are getting married, I can celebrate with them. When they've lost their job, I can cry with them and pray about them. That's what happens in our church, is that we don't let all the stuff that defines us from the world standpoint, political affiliation, philosophy, right, economic thought, whatever, like we come together for one reason, and that's Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. And when we have Jesus as our first allegiance, then we build each other up right? a lot more than we knock each other down. Does that mean we're perfect? No. Does it mean that we don't argue? No. Does it mean that we don't have heated arguments? No. But we love each other and we treat each other and sisters, you are giving me hope. Right? I think the 
church is still the hope of the world. I think if church right, shows that we can love each other when we disagree with each other, we think differently because we've got Jesus, then, then there's hope for families. There's hope for friendships. There's hope for the workplace. There's hope for America. Right? There, there is hope for this world because when Jesus is our primary allegiance, then it brings us together. And we look over the differences and we look at what's in common and we have so much more in common. Thank you for sacrificing your